This concluding passage here in chapter 4 provides a refreshing example of how to deal with a difficult situation in a godly way. And Paul changes the metaphor uh, that he is employing in order to illustrate his life as a teacher. And here he refers to the relationship of a father with his child. And the whole thrust of his argument depends upon the context of a loving, personal relationship that he has with the Corinthian believers. So we have here a pastor uh, or a, a teacher, a Paul, who as a spiritual father is showing his love for his congregation. Uh, you know, Pastor uh, Sinclair Ferguson one time said, it's one thing to love to preach. It's another thing to love those to whom you preach. And I hope you all know that I do love you, and I love to preach, but I love, to, I love you to whom I preach. But this is where Paul's coming from here. And, and he addresses them in verse 14 as he says, My beloved children, and this reveals his, his warm, affectionate concern. Now, the church in Corinth, they have a lot of issues, a lot of problems, a lot of sin running rampant. And, and Paul is appealing to them as a fatherly figure to a child. And he reminds them in verse 15, he says, uh, Because I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel referring to the unique relationship established by God through their reception of the message. Now, here's an interesting thing. Every single believer in Christ should be a spiritual parent to someone. We are called to take the message of the gospel and proclaim it to the world. And, and we all know someone in our families, in our jobs, in our neighborhood that is lost without Christ. And we need to be proclaiming that message to them. And when, when, when we proclaim the message of the gospel to someone and they believe, we become their spiritual parent. You know, I remember one time I was pastoring a church in Wiley, Texas. And uh, this lady came to me and she brought this friend of hers with her. And she said, she said, Pastor Bobby, she said, this is so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, I have given them the gospel, and they have believed, and so now I'm passing them off to you. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. When we lead someone to Christ, and this is where Paul's coming from, he says, you are my spiritual children. I am your spiritual father. It's my responsibility as your spiritual parent to see you grow and see you mature in the faith. And so that's where Paul is coming from here. Uh, in verse 14, he assures them that his purpose is not is to admonish them, not to make them ashamed. Now, the church in Corinth had a lot of things they should be ashamed of. But Paul said, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm trying to bring you to repentance. Uh, their good was his motivation for this. And, and how could it be otherwise if he truly governed by the cross of a Savior who gave himself up for us all. Paul says, look, I once was without Christ. And he said, and I have come to know Christ, and he has given me a new life, a new purpose, a new nature, a new mind. And he's telling them, you have the same thing, but you're not acting like that. 
And so he's admonishing them uh, on this. And, and he says, this is why the Father sent the Son into the world. And as an agent of the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul wants the very best for his children, even when they seem impossibly irritating. But shouldn't every, doesn't every parent, I mean, if you have children, don't you want the best for your children? Don't you want them to grow and mature in, in, in life? And as, as spiritual parents, you know, as your pastor, that's what I desire for you. I desire to see you grow and mature in the faith and become everything that God has created you to be and, and in the new life that you have in Christ. And so this is where Paul is coming from. And this passage before us, uh, it brings before us the response of a relational fatherly love in Christ toward fellow members of the kingdom. Now, remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, by this will all men know that you belong to me, that you're my disciples, when you have love one for another. And so Paul here is expressing this love to them. Uh, look, look at verses 14 and 15. He says, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. The first thing that we see here is true love warns. True love will always warn. You know, I remember when my oldest son was, was, was young, real young. He was, he was probably five or six years old. We lived in a house that had one of them wonderful old Dearborn heaters. Y'all know what those are, right? And he was constantly walking over to that heater and touching it, and it would burn him. And I was constantly having to warn him, stay away from the heater, it will burn. And, 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 and he would just keep doing it and keep doing it, and I kept having to warn him and warn him. And this is what Paul is saying here. This whole passage is an example of the apostolic ministry based on the theology and the spirituality of the message of the cross. Paul keeps coming back to that time after time after time about the message of the cross. And the meaning of the cross is not that you take all the difficulties and the sins and stuff and sweep them under the rug. You know, I have known parents who have had children that would go astray and they would get off into to, to whatever it was that was bad. And rather than dealing with it, they would just sweep it under the rug and let them go on, thinking they were showing love. But that's not love. Paul says real love will confront you with your sin. And he is warning the Corinthians uh, Jesus himself, he knew the reality of mankind's alienation from God could only be met by submitting himself and substituting himself as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of his people. Listen, think about this for a moment. All of us are born into this world sinners. For all have sinned, Paul says, and come short of the glory of God. But God doesn't just take that sin and sweep it under the rug. Listen, your sin, my sin, will be dealt with by God. It will either be dealt with in the cross of Christ or in you. Folks, let me tell you, 
you want it to be Christ. And this is where Paul is telling him, he says, real love doesn't just ignore what's going on. Uh, we must never forget that the example of Christ's love is that voluntary submission to do the will of the Father. And so Paul here is admonishing them. Uh, and, and with Christ's work as an example, <clears throat> Paul is prepared to follow the same path. His strong warning stems from the strength of his fatherly love for them. They, they, he says, look, you may have countless guides and people who help you along in the Christian faith, but you only have one spiritual father. And Paul is not ashamed to draw on this special relationship <clears throat> that he has with them. His warning is, ex is itself an expression of his love. When you see someone that has fallen and they're, they're, they, they're not living the kind of life that God has called them to. You know, as, as a pastor, it is my responsibility because I love you, because I love those to whom I preach, that when we fall into sin, when we kind of go astray, it, it's my responsibility to call you and say, hey, look. You need to repent. You need to get away from this. You need to get back to where you were with Christ. And so we find the first thing is that love warns. True love warns. We see that true love also exhorts. Look at verse 16 and 17. Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and, I, and he and who will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. A father's love models a way of life for children to follow. Listen, one of the things that I have seen, and, and, and I have told countless young fathers this right here, wherever you go, your children will follow. It doesn't matter where it is. They will follow. Your family will follow the example of the Father, whether he's a godly man or not a godly man. But if, if you claim to know Jesus Christ and you claim to be a godly man, then you must, you must lead your family. Listen, I, I have harped on this time and time and time again because today in our culture, in our world, this is so needed. Fathers, you must be the spiritual example in your home. You must lead your family in worship, lead your family in prayer, lead your family to church. And listen, when I say lead them in worship and lead them in prayer, I don't mean just here. I mean at home. We are to set the example. And Paul is telling the Corinthians, he says, look, I have set the example. He said, be imitators of me. But he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And as, a, as fathers, we are to do this. And he says, you only have one spiritual father. You know, you've all heard the expression, uh, or the familiar phrase, like father, like son. Like father, like son. And the Corinthians had been shown uh, the nature of their spiritual father's life. If you go back to verses 11 through 13, you know, Paul says, to this present hour, I hunger and thirst. I'm poorly clothed. I'm roughly treated. I'm homeless. 
Uh, he said, we labor working with our own hands. When we're reviled, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure. When we're slandered, we, we try to plead. He says, we have become as the scum of the world, the grime of all things. Paul says, to live the life of Christ is a life of suffering, a life of sacrifice. You show me a, a, an earthly father that has children that does not know what it means to sacrifice for his family, that does not know what it means to lead his family in that way, and I'll show you a poor father. Paul says, look, this is the, you need to imitate what I have done and learn to do this. <clears throat> How could they reject the way of the cross when Paul had demonstrated its essence and its vitality? Paul says, I keep telling you to come back to the message of the cross. He said, I imitate the message of the cross. I show you what Jesus came and he said to you and me, I love you. And you know what he did next? He took our sin upon himself and went to a cross and died. He sacrificed. He was the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate substitute for us. And so, you know, there in verse 17, the emphasis is not simply a matter of doctrine, but of a daily lifestyle, consistent behavior. We need today in our churches, in our homes, we need men who know Christ, who are godly men, who say, I will follow Christ. I will lead my family to Christ. I will imitate the example that Christ has set down. That of sacrifice, that of, uh, of love, of, of true love. Timothy, Paul talks about Timothy. Timothy had been with Paul on his journeys, and Timothy was in a unique position. He said, I'm sending to you, Timothy. When Timothy got there, Timothy said, yeah, I've been with Paul. He is that kind of guy. He is the kind of man that loves you. He is the kind of man that follows the example of Christ. He said, so don't you be thinking that because Paul's not here that, that, that he's just uh, giving you, uh, you know, a bunch of lies about what he's like. Timothy was in a unique position to vouch for the truth of Paul's description of his apostolic lifestyle. And because their teaching and lifestyle are one consistent whole, Timothy is to be welcomed and listened to. <clears throat> it's difficult being a father. You know, I didn't intend for this to turn into a Father's Day message, but, you know, it's difficult being a parent. And anybody who doesn't know that has never had children, but it's difficult. And Paul says, look, I love you, he says, but you're frustrating me. He says, I want what's best for you, but you won't listen. You won't listen to what I'm saying. And, and so he's warning them and he exhorts them. That He says, listen, Timothy's coming. He will show you that everything I'm saying is true. And it's only because Paul follows Christ that Paul urges the Corinthians to follow him. So we see that true love will both warn against the danger and exhort saying, come on, follow me. I will show you the way. I will show you what this is supposed to look like. Now, Paul was a sinful man. He had sin, just like we all do. Paul's not saying, look, follow me because I'm sinless. But Paul's saying, yes, I have sin. But you know what I do with my sin? I put it away. I, I kill my sin. 
You know, long before Jonathan Edwards ever said it, Paul said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And that's what he's telling these Corinthians. He says, if you don't start killing your sin, it's going to start killing you. And so Paul is exhorting them. He's saying, follow me. Be, I am the example. But you know what? Now, now, don't misunderstand here what Paul's doing. You know, as a pastor, I can tell you the same thing. If I say, you know what, follow me as I follow Christ, I had better make sure I follow Christ. Because, you know, one day I'm going to give an account. Now, I'm not going to give an account to you. I'm going to give an account to Christ. And he's going to say, you told them to follow you as you followed me, but you didn't follow me. So Paul here, he's not to take lightly what he's saying to them. He's saying, look, I strive for holiness. I strive to be a godly man. He said, I, I want you to understand where I'm coming from. So true love will warn and it, it will exhort. And look at verses 18. Now, some of you have become puffed up as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I shall know not the words of those who are puffed up, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod or with a love, with love and a spirit of gentleness? True love rebukes. Paul is realistic enough to realize that although he's appealing to the church at Corinth, his letter may not be accepted. It, it, it may not succeed at what he's calling, it to, calling on them to do. And in such a case, a, fatherly, a father's love must be tough. And so in verses 18 through 20, both rebuke and threaten discipline should be his warnings should be ignored. Paul says, if you ignore the warnings that I'm giving to you, there will be consequences. I mean, what father doesn't tell his children, or what parent doesn't tell their children? Look, you know, I grew up with, with a stepdad who was military. He was a strict disciplinarian. Uh, you know, he, he didn't go too far. I mean, he kept it, it was pretty balanced. But I learned very early that that there's a line and you cross it, there's a, there's a price to pay for it. And that's what Paul's telling them. He's warning them. <clears throat> uh, a father's love must be tough, but with both rebuke and threaten discipline for it. But it must be done as Paul is doing here. Remember, the first thing he said to them was, look, I want you to know I'm your spiritual father. I love you. You know, I mean, how many of you? I remember my mama telling me, you know, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. She lied, but and she would tell me I'm doing this because I love you. I didn't understand that at the time. No young child does. But later I found how true that was. And this is what Paul's saying. Paul zeroes in on a small group. There were some there who were in the church. He said they had become puffed up. They had become prideful, uh, self-inflated. They were arrogant. And they were the cause of all the trouble. They had decided, we don't need Paul. Paul, who are you? We're doing just fine here in this church. And Paul says, no, you're not. And so they said, we don't need Paul. And Paul would not let their sin go unchallenged. Because he knew 
the terrible consequences of doing that. So he would not let their sin go unchallenged. It was one thing to talk of trash about Paul behind his back, but Paul says, look, if the Lord's willing and I come to you, are you going to talk to me like that to my face? You know, social media is, is kind of a double-edged sword. It can be a wonderful thing and it can be a bad thing. Depending on how you use it and who's doing it and all this. But, you know, I have seen people, you know, and, and I try not to ever do this because I think it's ridiculous, but I have seen people on Facebook, especially on some of the Christian pages I'm on, they will disagree about something, and I mean it will be just comments a mile long, people arguing on Facebook. You know how stupid that is. <laughs> and, and But I have found that there are people out there that will say things to me or say things to other people that they wouldn't dare say to them in their face. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He says, I, this will not go unchallenged. And he says, you can talk to me like this behind my back, but it's another thing to meet me face to face. He says there in verse uh, 19, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I shall know not the words of those who are puffed up, but their power. Their power. There was plenty of talk about power within the Corinthian church, but Paul is not interested in their talk, but in their reality. Verse 20 is a very important principle. He says, for the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. The kingdom of God is all about power. Not my power, not your power, but God's power. <clears throat> and one of the problems in Corinth is that they were very impressed with words. They were very impressed with great knowledge. But was the power of God seen in that church? Now, Paul's obvious answer is no. Because if the power of God had been seen in their church, as we're going to see in the next chapter, all this sexual immorality going in the church would have been happening. Because they would have dealt with that. They would have gone on all this pride that they had, this spiritual pride, thinking, well, you know, I have this gift, so I'm more spiritual than you are. All that wouldn't have been happening if the power of God had been evident in the church. But it wasn't evident in the church. Listen, the power of God is demonstrated in the message of Christ crucified which alone can save people. What did Paul say in Romans 1.16? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So day after day, Paul's life of self-sacrificing self hard work for the sake of the gospel is the proof of the power of God. And so Paul is admonishing, he's warning these uh, and rebuking these Corinthians and saying, look, here's what I have told you. You need to listen. You need to listen to what I'm saying. This same thing needs to be heard in our own contemporary churches today. The power of God is not to be seen in some super spirituality. Instead, the power of the Spirit is seen in the way that God preserves frail gospel workers and weak Christian believers through whose witness uh, Christ brings others to eternal life. Listen, they looked at Paul and they said, look at him. He's nobody. 
I mean, look how he suffers. When, 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 when people make fun of him, Paul doesn't say anything back. When people threaten Paul, he prays for them. What kind of man? Who wants to be a man like that? We're the kind of people, you threaten me, I'm going to come back after you. And Paul says, you may do that, but that's not the way that Christ has shown us. We see in the, in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that when he came, when they came to arrest him there in the garden. <clears throat> you ever read that narrative right there? It says that the, the mob came after him. Now, now think about that for a minute. Here's one man. And a whole mob comes after him. And Jesus said, they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And you know what they did? They fell backwards at the sound of his voice, the power. Jesus could have said, let me tell you something. I'm God in the flesh. You're not taking me. But that's not what he did. You know what he did? He submitted to the will of the Father, and he allowed these cruel men to take him, to, to, to arrest him, and they took him, and they beat him, and they pulled out his beard. They mocked him. They laughed at him, and it says that he never opened his mouth. You remember, he told his disciples once, when they thought, they said, you know, we'll protect you. We won't let this happen. And he says, no, you won't. He said, don't you know that I could call 10 legion of angels and they would come rescue me? Now, I want to tell you something, folks. That's a lot of angels. You know how many men are in a legion? There's 10,000. So 10,000 times 10,000. He said, that's how many angels I can call. But he didn't do that. He submitted to it, and Paul is saying, look, I mirror the life of Christ in this, that I understand that to follow Christ is a life of suffering, a life of humility, not pride, not self-aggrandizing. And these Corinthians, he's telling them, he's saying, look, you need to listen, and today in many of our churches, we still need to listen to the same thing. A believer must behave in a way that is worthy of the kingdom of God. Are you a follower of Christ? Does it show in your daily life? Do you live a life that is consistent with who you say you are? See, Paul says, you Corinthians are not doing that. Paul says, I have done that. Now, now listen, Paul is not saying, look, look at me. Look what a great Christian I am. Here's what he's doing. He's saying, look at me. I have done this. And he's saying to them, the reason I'm telling you that is so you will know that I'm doing what I'm telling you you need to do. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's exactly the life that Jesus lived. The lifestyle of a Christian messenger proves or disproves the reality of the Christian message. Today, you know, I, I, my wife and I were talking about this the other night. <clears throat> and, and you've heard me say this before. I usually refrain from using the word Christian. Because in our world today, that word has lost all meaning. I mean, you realize the Ku Klux Klan calls themselves Christians. Mormons call themselves Christians. 
Jehovah's Witnesses call themselves Christians, but are they? No, they're not. But a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ understands that when I say to you, I am a follower of Christ, that my life needs to back that up. You know, suppose I have a church member that falls into some sin and I have to go to them and warn and exhort and rebuke. But what if they can point at my life and say, well, you know what, you're doing the same things. How can you get on to me for doing this? So that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, where I'm coming from, I'm telling you. He says, I have modeled the life of Christ. And so every single believer must behave in a way that makes us worthy of God's kingdom. If you tell, if you tell the world, you know, I think if, if Jesus could come today and look at everybody, all the churches across, especially America, and many people who call themselves Christians, he would say to them, please stop calling yourself that. Because you're giving me a really bad name. And that's what he's done. That's what we've done. And Paul's telling these, these Corinthians, he's saying, look, I'm going to come to you. And when I come, I'm going to show you the true power of God in the life that I live. Paul could come to them, he says, in verse 21. I, I love how Paul puts this. He says, what do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod? or with love and a spirit of gentleness. In other words, Paul says, do you want me to come with belt in hand? Or do you want me to come with love? And that's how he would prefer to do it. He would rather come as a father, spiritual father in love and gentleness, but his response would be uh, upon, would rest upon how they reacted to his letter. Here's what Paul's doing. Paul is, is drawing them. He's saying, look, here's what I need you to do. I need you to repent. Turn from your sin. Put away your sin. Begin to follow Christ and begin to walk in the way that he has called us to do. And Paul says, if you don't, he says, I mean, Paul's using his apostolic authority here. He says, look, he said, I can come with a belt or a rod. And I'll tell you, folks, a rod is worse than a belt. You know, I think about how when my kids were younger, you know, there was more than once I used a belt on them. But I did it because I loved them. I did it because I wanted them to, to learn right. But I want to tell you, in Paul's day, they didn't use belt. They used a rod where they would bend you over, take your back, and they would beat you on the back with a rod. I'll take a belt any day. But here's the point that Paul's making. He said, look, discipline. Discipline is the, is the result. What is the purpose of discipline? We, we often talk about, I've heard people tell me, you know, I had to punish my son for this, or I had to punish my daughter for that. And I'll tell you, if you ever punish your children, you need to stop it. Because punishment's what you do to a criminal. But discipline is what you do to a child. And discipline has the purpose of teaching. And Paul says, my purpose is, he says, I want to come to you as a loving spiritual father uh, and, and, and be able to father you in love and gentleness he says but i have to he said i'll bring the rod he says whatever it takes to get you where you need to be and if they would repent they will find the apostle paul like god who welcomes sinners more than willing to turn to them in forgiveness and mercy you know there was a time 
When I didn't know Christ, I lived in a life of sin just like everyone else does. And there day, when the gospel came to my heart and God opened my eyes and he opened my ears and he gave me a new heart. And I, I came to him in repentance and said, Lord, forgive me. And you know what he said? Done. He said, done. You are forgiven. It's gone. I will throw it as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. I will throw it into the depths of the sea, put up a no fishing sign. God says, this is what, and Paul says, look, this is what can happen. He says, if you will listen to what I'm telling you, he says, there is forgiveness and there is mercy to those who will repent. And his challenge is, and it's the same challenge that we have today for all of us here. His challenge is that we should take up our cross, become faithful stewards of the gospel, living a crucified life. Living a life that will glorify God in our humility and our self-sacrificing. And this is what he's called us to. This is a challenge as relevant and pertinent today as it was in Corinth. And we need to pray for God's grace to enable us to face the challenge, to recognize where we're deficient, and turn in renewed repentance and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ and find grace that flows from the cross, the message of the cross. Jesus was humble. Jesus was meek. Now, don't, don't make the, the, the common mistake that meekness means weakness. Jesus was in no way weak. But he was meek and he was humble. Paul was meek and he was humble. And we are called to be the same. We, we can never look at anyone else and say, you know what? I, I'm the pastor here, okay? So you need to listen to what I say and do what I say. If I ever say that... You know what you need to do, right? Yeah, kick me right out the door, what you need to do. But that's what the Corinthians, Paul says, that's not the model of Christianity. That's not the model that Christ has set for us. And I'll tell you, when, when, when we follow the message of the cross, <clears throat> when I submit myself and, and, and understand that I am called to a life of suffering and following Christ, that I am to be meek and humble. I want to tell you one thing that will happen when you do that. When you look at the cross of Christ and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. The slightest sin will cause you to run as fast as you can to God and put that behind you. And Paul says, you are demonstrating to these Corinthians, he says, you're demonstrating that you're all talk. You have no power because look at all the sin that's running rampant. Look at all the pride that's running rampant in your church. And so he calls us. He says, run to the cross. Come to Christ and receive forgiveness. Run to Christ and receive mercy. Receive grace. And as a church, we must understand that we are called to this. We are called to a life of imitation, imitating the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the world outside persecutes us, when the world outside mocks us, when the world outside laughs at us, when the world outside hates us, we turn to them and say, I love you 
and I'm praying for you. That's the way Jesus showed us. So I want to tell you something. Did you know that the Apostle John in the book of 1 John tells us that without Christ, when you were without Christ, you were an enemy of God. An enemy of God. There's only one. You're, you're, you're either on one side or the other. You're either an enemy of God or a friend of God. There is no in-between. And there's only one way to be a friend of God, and that's to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we come to Christ and people come to us as a church and as believers and people look at us, do they see in us that mercy and that grace that Christ has shown us? No matter what they do to us, no matter what they say to us. Paul says, look, after everything you've said about me, after everything you've, you've talked about me, he said, I want you to know I love you. And I, if, if the Lord wills, I'm going to come there. And I hope that you will let me come as that loving father and not as that strict disciplinarian. But sometimes discipline is necessary. And Paul says, I love you. But he says there in verse 21, what do you desire? What do you desire? Which way do you want me to come? If you will repent, listen to what I'm telling you, and repent of your sin and turn from it. He said, I'll come. He said, I'll be your gentle, loving father. He said, we'll fellowship together. We'll worship together. But basically, Paul's telling them, he says, in the current condition that you're in, Corinth, he said, I can't come worship with you. You know, we're going to see in the next chapter, Paul's fixing to, to lay the hammer down. You know, he's going to tell us to do something that Jesus even told us to do that many today find to be very harsh. You know, he's going to, especially when it comes to sexual immorality, he says, look, if they won't listen to you, he said, you get them out of the church and you treat them like they're an unbeliever. He said, don't even eat with them. We look at that and say that's harsh. But you see, Paul was saying, look, the point, the, the, the purpose is hopefully they'll say they'll see their sin and they'll repent and come back into the fellowship. You know, that's what church discipline is for. So we look at this and we see what true love, true love is the kind of love that will warn when you're in the wrong. It will exhort to, to persuade, come back, come back, get out of this. And it will warn, uh, rebuke, and say, you know what, if you don't, here's what's going to happen. Here are the consequences. And so we look at our lives today. Look at your own life. I look at my life. You know, as I prepared this message, I thought to myself, I mean, there were many times I had to stop, and I got on my knees and said, Lord, I can't preach this. Lord, I don't live up to this. And I want to tell you something, folks. I am thankful that I don't have to live up to everything I preach. My wife thinks I should, but I don't. None of us do. But you see, I have a desire for it. I have a desire to do that. And when there's sin in my life, I try to run to Christ and repent and receive forgiveness. And that's the message Paul is giving to the church in Corinth. Let's pray. Father... We, we thank you, God, for men like the Apostle Paul. Lord, help us to be spiritual parents. And Lord, that our love would be the kind of love that exhorts others to repent, that warns them 
of the consequences that rebukes them in their sin in love. Father, forgive us, for we have fallen so short in being the kind of men and women you've called us to do, to be. So, Father, help us to daily take up our cross and deny ourselves. Help us daily to die to self, to die to sin. Father, help us to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. That those without may see us, Father. See that our life is consistent with what we preach, what we teach, what we say. And Father, we pray. And thank you, God, for your mercy and grace that is readily there for anyone who will take it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and turn to him, 209.